A proud member of the Earglue Media family of podcasts. You're listening to Bad Gamers Anonymous, a podcast dedicated to helping gamers not suck. Our two-step programs of suck up and get good will help even the worst of gamers just be bad. We review the latest video game titles, cover the latest news, and discuss issues that affect gamers. Here are your hosts of Bad Gamers Anonymous, Bad Gamer Jason, Bad Gamer Joe, and Bad Gamer Crowley. Get good, scrubs. Welcome to Bad Gamers Anonymous. This is episode 86, Loot Boxes, D&D, and the Hand of Gilgamesh. I am your host, Joe, and joining me this week, as always, is Jason. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's weird to have Crowley gone again. He was back last week, and man, it was like a blast from the past. Yeah, you guys had a good episode. I really appreciate you guys filling in for me while I had some uh, family stuff to take care of. Hey, no problem. Anytime. But it's good to be back. I'm glad to be back in the driver's seat doing our thing. You guys are still doing Firefly over at Sadis, yeah? Yeah, still doing Firefly. Um, This week uh, we'll launch episodes uh, 8 and 9, and then next week will be a a triple feature. Uh, It'll be 10, 11, and 12. So we're almost done with season 1 of Firefly, and then we'll, we'll hit Serenity, which is the movie that happens afterward, and we'll be done with Firefly. Goes by too quick. That show did not have the life it deserved. No, it didn't. It was it was ended way too soon. Um, the movie kind of wrapped everything up, but there was there was so much more potential there. And I think I think it, that show probably could have done even better today in a more serialized fashion than the episodic fashion that they they wrote it for. Um, I think uh, I think if it was made today, it would it would be probably as big as the Expanse, if not better. I'm actually surprised with the amount of rebooting going on in TV right now that this hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I mean, Joss has so much other stuff that he's doing right now. I, I just don't, I don't know that he's got the appetite to go back to Firefly. Probably not. It's, he's probably got a sour taste in his mouth from how that all went down anyways. He probably does, yeah. What are you doing on the on the film appraisers? So we ha- available right now, episode three is out. That came out on the second. That is Snakes, Planes, and Adventures. And that is with our friend Albert Padilla from the Cantina cast. He comes on and we talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Such a great episode. I, I listened to that when I was in the back roads of Iowa uh, last week or week before. It was a really good episode. You guys did a good job. That was a real fun one to do. Um, great movie. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody's seen that. I'm sure all of you have seen that. If not, go watch it right now. Um, yeah. And then go listen to the film appraisers. And coming out this week, we're going to have a expectations episode for John Wick 3, and we'll have a reactions Ooh. episode the week following. So uh, nice. look forward to that also. And uh, our buddy Crowley has a new Simply Stogies out uh, where he talks about the Guardian of the Farm Apollo. That's a great listen. I listened to that uh, last week. So. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a good episode too. I also listened to that while I was in the back roads of Iowa. I was in Iowa on the back roads for a long, long time. I'm not surprised. There's not much butt back roads in Iowa, is there? No, no, there's not. There's a main highway that was closed, and then I got to I got to see a whole lot of a whole lot of the interior of Iowa that I never ever thought I would ever see. So, uh, scenic adventure. Put a positive spin on it. 
<laughs> we could call it that. Sure. <laughs> Speaking of adventure, what you've been playing, Jason? Uh, so this week I delved back into Dawn of Man, um, just kind of on in the background while I was doing some other things, uh, taking care of a family member who's who's off his feet at the moment. Um, also did some prison architect for the same reason, uh, building a, one of my, well, expanding on one of my prisons that I haven't touched in a couple of years. And uh, City Skylines had a green DLC that I purchased a little while back, but haven't had the chance to hit. So I went ahead and did that this week as well. So, what, um, it's, so it's what's actually, in that? I played a ton of City Skylines, but I never touched any of the DLC. So the green t- DLC brings in a, a bunch of uh, technologies and buildings that are um, eco-friendly focused. So uh, you have a new recycle center. Uh, you have some new uh, green energy technologies. Um, you have some new maps that, that kind of focus on uh, some renewables. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's basically, you know, a, a very eco-friendly kind of DLC. Brings some, some new buildings, uh, new themes, things like that. That sounds pretty good. That sounds cool. Like, yeah. That was a really good game. I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I don't have to put a lot of thought into. I just kind of, you know, drag and and drop some stuff every once in a while and let it do its thing while I'm doing other things and check on it periodically. Once you get the the foundational city built, I mean, it pretty much takes care of itself. You just kind of expand on it every once in a while. Yeah. So um, also playing uh, Assassin's Creed Rebellion still. Yeah. Still kind of working up my my assassin stable and and clicking on or tapping on that about every four hours for a few minutes here and there. Yeah, it's definitely and, one of those. Uh, <laughs> it is. It there, there's not a whole lot to it. It doesn't take a lot of time to to play. Um, it's it's got some nice graphics, but yeah, there's not a lot of depth there. And like I do every day, uh, the Simpsons tapped out. Although I haven't been hitting that quite as frequently because there haven't there hasn't been any uh new updates or or new campaigns lately so that's got the community kind of worried that they're kind of spinning this down but the recent rumor is that there's going to be some new update updated material coming out on may the 15th so fingers crossed how entrenched in the community are you uh i'm not super entrenched i mean i i check uh I check the forums, uh, I, I read the Reddit, uh, subreddit, and then uh, I read the articles on uh, the Simpsons Tapped Out Addicts uh, website. But That's more entrenched than I am in the fandom of any game, just, <laughs> just to let you know. Well, it's, I mean, <laughs> that's that's where I get a lot of my information and, and, and some tips and tricks and stuff. So, um, and, and I have posted on the subreddit, so... I, I guess I'm somewhat entrenched, but it's it's a it's a fun community. So you're a key figurehead of the community, is what you're talking. I am me. not a key figurehead <laughs> of the community by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, but yeah, I do have a, a a small presence in the community. So have you installed The Simpsons Tapped Out yet? You said you were going to install it's, it. It's and, installed. Uh, uh, I installed that and Assassin's Creed Rebellion at the same time, and I have played a fair amount of Assassin's Creed Rebellion. And I have not started Simpson tapped out yet I'll well, you're I gonna will, have to get into that and and uh, add me to your neighborhood that'll be this week I will do that that's on my to-do list for this week is to start tapping in your neighborhood 
Well, okay. Just be, <laughs> be courteous when you're tapping in my neighborhood. I'm a little bit of a rough tapper, I got to be honest. Oh, I'll, I'll see if I can manage then. <laughs> what are you playing this week? So, uh, yeah, I played some a fair amount of Assassin's Creed Rebellion. Um, that is definitely one of those pop it in, play 10 minutes every couple hours, four or five hours. Some of the missions that you go on are actually, that you can actually benefit from using a little strategy and how you're doing things so that you can actually get down to like a thinking level, but you can mm-hmm. also just hit autoplay and it just takes care of it for you and it's just fine. Seems yep. to get three stars no matter what, whether I play or the game plays for me um, for the most part. I'm not that far yeah. into it, but it's it's there's not a ton of depth, but there is some gameplay to have there and there's there's stuff to do. It's, it's better than I thought it was going to be. I'll say that. So for the missions, the part where you have to start thinking is if you don't have a crew that, that has a power level high enough to really do that mission. Yeah. So if, if you want to do a mission with an underpowered crew, you can do it. You can still get three stars, but you're going to have to actually, you know, form a strategy to do it. Otherwise, if you've got the if you've got the power and the, and the right mix of, of personnel to do that mission, yeah, just hit auto and it's going to give you three stars. So yeah, and I don't I, I don't know if I'm just haven't gotten to where difficulty ramps up yet, or if I've been lucky with the uh, DNA cubes that I've gotten, the daily ones or whatever, because mm-hmm. I don't have a ton of guys, but they're all pretty pretty high power level compared to where I am in story missions. So I seem to be just kind of plowing my way through no problem yeah the story missions will catch up to you here pretty quick what level are you i want to say i'm like eight yeah so once you get to about the 10 to 12 level uh the 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 story missions will will start um they'll they'll catch up to you and supersede you so the game will slow down a little bit at that point yeah i'm sure yeah i'm sure just like all these games there's a spot where it gets hard enough to make you want to try to spend money uh right I, i just haven't hit that yet and I'm I'm actually a lot further in the game than I would have thought I would have gotten to have not hit a paywall yet. So yeah, it it does a good job of of really bringing you into the game and getting you uh, getting you interested. And I haven't hit a spot to where you know I feel like I can't play the game without spending money yet. So no. I mean it has slowed down some, um, but I don't I'm not super serious into the game to begin with and. I, I don't have a compelling reason to, to spend any money on it. Uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of time. So I haven't hit a paywall yet either. No. I, I it's It seems pretty well balanced in that regard. Um, I've also been playing SteamWorld Quest, The Hand of Gilgamesh, and we're going to talk a lot more about that at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played a little bit of SWOTOR. Like, <laughs> like a couple hours over the last two, couple of weeks. Which is way less than Crowley plays in a day. I know. He's uh, constantly on that game. All about it. In fact, I'm surprised he's not on it right now. He probably wishes he was. I I really feel like um, he's fallen all the way into that fandom again. And is just, he's going to be checking the reddits and the the boards for SWOTOR pretty soon. If he's not already. I, I think he already has. Um, I know that he was searching the game to find where he had left off, and I, I, I'm pretty sure he's already doing some research and and uh, strategizing new builds. And yeah, I, he's he's definitely all the way in on that game. All the way in. 
all he's spending the way money in. on it he's subscribed he's spending money on that game that's now. right he yeah. is he is supporting a game that he constantly gripes about well at least it's a subscription and not loot boxes or microtransactions so just wait just wait so the government in particular a US senator named Josh Hawley a Republican from Missouri is putting forward a bill to take loot boxes and abusive game transactions out of business. He wants to get rid of those. He he thinks that we are targeting children and he has a bill titled the Protecting Children from Abusive Games Act. He says he wants to stop this from happening, but he doesn't really say how. Yeah. And yeah, his his bill has no wording on, you know, really what he defines as a loot box or a pay-to-win microtransaction. Um, but yeah, this this bill that he announced would uh, ban loot boxes, pay-to-win microtransactions, and games played by monor- minors, which is probably most of them. Yeah. Um, because he says that they are exploiting the gambling-like tendencies of those items and um, you know costing costing people money. He says... When a game is designed for kids, game developers shouldn't be allowed to monetize addiction. So he, I guess he's assuming that that everybody that buys in on microtransactions or loot boxes is is somehow addicted to gambling. I don't. I'm of two minds on this, and uh, we can discuss both those minds because they both have opinions. <laughs> but <laughs> so one, I do not remember where I read it. But I remember reading maybe two or three years ago. It may even have been around the horrible Battlefront 2 launch that uh, they had an interview with somebody that I believe was actually at EA talking about previously, who no longer was with EA, talking about how they would hire people in and do studies on how to structure microtransactions and paywalls to stimulate the brain the same way gambling does to prey on that that instinct that a lot of people have that like that quick hit of dopamine yeah that dopamine rush that you get yep. they, you they tune the game so when you buy some microtransactions the game actually gets a little easier up front so you feel like you paid you got a whole bunch of, of win and then it gets harder right afterwards after a purchase so that you feel the need to buy again to get that reward um, and there's some there's some real dirty business to that, especially if you're targeting children. But my other mind on that is I don't necessarily like to see government getting involved in games because their history here tends to be wanting to regulate the wrong thing to fix a problem that they're not actually addressing and creating more problems down the line. Yeah, and I've got a, I got I have several problems with this. The first of which is he's equating uh, loot boxes and microtransactions with gambling, and they're not the same thing. So with loot boxes and microtransactions, there is a a sin, or there is a a part of it that's random, but you are actually getting something for your purchase. Whereas in gambling, it is all random, and you do not necessarily get anything for the money that you right. put forward in gambling. The second thing that I have that's that's a problem with this is there are a plethora of th- of ways that you can get that dopamine rush. I mean, there's uh, there there are people that that get this through drugs, alcohol, 
uh, adrenaline junkies uh, seek this through, you know, risky acts. Uh, there's, there's of course gambling. I mean, there's, there's, there's food. People get this dopamine rush through food. There's a ton of ways that, that people seek that dopamine rush. We're not regulating all that. Like we are, uh, you know, banning microtransactions and loot boxes. So I think the trouble comes in there is that developers have equated these to gambling in behind closed doors and in public before. And I think this first time one person said, Hey, we want people to be stuck to this. Like they're stuck to gambling. Uh, that opened up the, well, if, if developers think it's gambling, then we have a hand here. Well, but uh, so they're, again, they mischaracterize this as gambling as well, but what they're trying to do is they're, they're targeting people who may have addiction problems. Correct. So there are people who who do have addiction problems who that dopamine rush becomes uh, a need for them to continue to have. I mean there's a lot of people that that get their, you know, chocolate induced dopamine rush but they're not eating a ton of chocolate every day to to maintain that rush. But there are people who do have that that addiction problem and, you know, that that's something that they have to deal with. Where, where I come in is government shouldn't try to regulate, you know, the the general populace because of a subset of people that that have an, an addiction problem to to whatever dopamine uh, fix that they that they glom onto, and like food additives. So behind closed doors, there were companies that uh, that do nothing but research and development on what food causes people to eat more of that food so they could boost their profits. It's, it's the same there, but you don't have government coming in and, and regulating, you know, what, uh, what your food is going to taste like. So that, that's, that's another problem that I have with them focusing on the video oh, game industry. Uh, this is, this is more of the same kind of, you know, video games are bad. It was movies, uh, before that it was TV before that it was, it was music before that. So, this is a this is another attempt to to uh, uh, censor uh, a media form, and yeah, I'm not with it. Yeah, but you know, you know, I think this is one that. So I, I think of this. I look at this. I see echoes of the game rating system discussion that happened well before my time, but I'm still aware of how that went down and. The government was going to do this. They were going to make hard ratings on games that you would need IDs to buy certain games. They're gonna they were going to really right. crack down on what was allowed to be in games. And the ESRB stepped in and did that before the government, kind of finding a solution that they liked before the government came up with a solution they didn't like. Um and I see right here the potential for this to go both ways again. If I don't think if we continue down this path where games are just littered with loot boxes and people are getting, you know, especially mobile games, the way those are run, um, I don't see the government staying out of it. I don't see, I don't even see failed attempts stopping. I see actual regulation showing up here on the books before too long. If the game industry doesn't take a look at what they're doing and maybe, maybe back off a little bit on the loot boxes. I don't think micro microtransactions are actually a problem dude if you want to tell me if i spend 14 dollars, i get this armor that's a purchase i can make a decision the random chance loot boxes i think are going to really continue to cause 
issues until somebody does something, whether the industry says, you know, we got to step back a little bit on these or uh, the gamers just stop buying them or start stop buying games like Battlefront. You know, that was the microtransaction structure in that game got a huge backlash. Um, so something's going to give somewhere. I don't know where it'll give first. I just really hope it's not where the government has to step in first. And I think we already see that or, or are starting to see that. I think players are starting to push back against microtransactions, specifically loot boxes. And um, they're, they're saying, no, we're, we're, we're kind of sick of, you know, you shoving loot boxes and, and walling off content behind these nickel and dime tactics. Um, so we're, we're probably already starting to see the pushback from players. I think companies, when it comes down to their bottom line, will adjust accordingly. Um, I, I, I don't think that regulation is coming down the pipe. I think this is dead on arrival uh, when he introduces it to the Senate floor. Um, I, I don't think this goes anywhere. I don't think this goes anywhere. This proposal, there's nothing to this proposal. But I think if we continue down the path we're on, eventually some proposal will stick. Uh, I don't. I don't see it. I think loot boxes will be a thing in the past by the time that would come around. So right, but yeah, that's what I mean though. Is if if they don't, if they stick around, if they continue to grow, if the player pushback isn't enough, I I see it going that way. But I do hope that the player pushback leads to a change way before that happens. Possibly. Bethesda in the news again. Now I don't know if you got a chance to look at this much. Um, Oh, I did. But so <laughs> Bethesda put out this tabletop Elder Scrolls adventure uh, to kind of go along with the Elder Scrolls Online. Yeah, they're they're promoting Elsewhere. Right. Uh, which is an expansion um, for their Elder Scrolls Online. And so this thing's been out for for a little bit here, and there's some pretty serious plagiarism. So Yeah, they basically just lifted oh, and shifted. Man. Yeah, the the Black Road adventure from D and D, and slapped a few, uh, or you know, basically put it through a Mad Libs machine, slapped their title on it, and published it as their own work. They pulled this, and they are investigating sources. Which this came from internal Bethesda. I don't know what sources they're investigating, but I, I just want to run a couple lines real quick here and see what you think. So first, out of the D and D module. Travel in the Arnok Desert is slow, hot, and full of blistering sun. Now, same line out of the ESO, Tabletop Adventure. Traveling in the Elsewire Desert is slow, hot, and full of sizzling heat from the sun. Next line. Yeah. There are no clouds, no promise, and no water anywhere. All right, now back to ESO. There are no clouds and no promise of water. Are, are we serious? Like this whole thing, this entire campaign is like this. It is line yeah. for line, like one word deleted. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is something that you would get kicked out of college for. This is something that you would get like a zero for if you did it in high school. Somebody's getting fired. I'm not, ex yeah, somebody better get fired. Yeah. I mean, this this is litigious. I mean, this, this puts them in legal jeopardy for publishing something that is copyright infringement. Yeah, this is, this is harder plagiarism than, than kids in high school try to get away with. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. Kids in high school kind of just tend to copy and paste exactly word for word. They sometimes don't even change the font. Yeah, I don't think they did much more than that here. So True, true. 
Well, they did pretty it up a little bit. A little bit, tiny but... bit, yeah. <laughs> they put it into the Bethesda online, or the Elder Scrolls online font package on that fake uh, wrinkly letterhead. So, But yeah, this came out of their Netherlands house, and I'm not exactly sure how they thought they were going to get away with this. This is th- Because the Venn diagram of people who play D&D and people who are going to play this this ESO tabletop adventure is pretty substantial. So how they thought that nobody was going to be playing Black Road and then recognize basically the same module from this this ESO uh, pen and paper game, uh, it I, I don't know. Somebody there wasn't thinking at all. You know, I spent some time while I was reading this article when I first heard about this trying to figure out a lineage of this happening that wasn't um, dirty, intentionally dirty. And I can't get to where they got without there just being somebody who doesn't care putting putting this through. Uh, I can see like the copy editors not catching it maybe or something like that. But um, somebody blatantly had to copy this. And the only, the only thing I can figure is that they didn't understand the Dungeons and Dragons open gaming license rules correctly because under those rules all of the all of the under that gaming license all of the rules and yeah uh, the core gaming mechanics are open right and i wonder if they just didn't understand that 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 did not include the story and they just took a story they thought was open license and changed a couple of names around thinking they were fine and printed it and found out afterwards that they were in error, but I don't... No, I mean, that's that's giving them a lot of credit. It's a lot of credit. It's a big stretch. And the fact that they did the changes that they did, but didn't give credit to the the base story. I mean, if, right. if you're gonna if you're gonna base something off of a of, of a previous work, you typically give pr- credit to that previous work. I mean, there's a lot of derivative works like. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. I mean, that was based off of the story, Pride and Prejudice. Um, but, you know, it puts a new derivative spin on it. What if uh, it was a zombie story instead? But you're still giving credit to the original work. It's just, you know, a kind of a, a twist on that. And, th- and that's totally fine. Uh, it's a new work based on a previous work, and that's not copyright infringement. That's not plagiarism. That's that's moving that 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 work forward. This is blatant plagiarism, without any citation or reference to the original work. This seems this feels like it is. Um, this feels dirty. Right. Yeah, it feels very dirty. And like I said, I was trying to come up with a way that this wasn't dirty. You know, and all I came up with was that or. Um, this was just a placeholder that was never intended to be released and got filed in the wrong place somewhere and somebody made a mistake. But those are both both those scenarios are giving Bethesda way too much credit here. And Bethesda has not really earned any credit lately. No, no. This is another black mark on Bethesda's, you know, previously shining reputation before last year. Yeah. What a they, fall. They, they, yeah. What a fast <laughs> it's fall. like they took a step off a cliff. Well, I hope that they turn it around, get this sorted out, and stop with this because I do actually like Bethesda games, and this is kind of disheartening to watch them go through this. Yeah, it really is. This this seems like, yeah, I, I don't know what this seems like. 
it seems lazy. Uh, it seems like they probably tried to rush something out and whoever got this put on their plate was either uh, under a compressed timeline or just didn't care and did as little work as possible. So I don't know what the reasoning was, but whatever it was, it wasn't, it wasn't right. Also disheartening and lazy, Sony had another PS4 state of play this week. And it was bad. Why are they doing these? I I don't... I mean, this was 13 minutes of a bunch of trailers that we've already seen on YouTube, except for the very end. So there's one... There was one game announcement I didn't... That we really didn't know was coming for this, but it's not a big announcement, that Predator Hunting Grounds. Um, everything else we've already seen... Uh, they talked about the Final right. Fantasy VII remake, the Monster Hunter World DLC, uh, a new PS4 model coming, but it is just a, it is not a functional model. It's a, a visual limited edition. Uh, the medieval remake, and then a, a couple other little things here. Um, in a world where they have something to announce, actually announce, I don't think this format is bad. This format is working for Nintendo, and even when Nintendo doesn't, Nintendo doesn't have a lot to say, and they they just bounce on a quick one. They have a seven because they've had seven or ten minute Nintendo directs. Uh, they've also had big ones, so people aren't. They've got they've got the whole myriad there. They've seen a big Nintendo direct. They've seen a little one. I think in a world where Sony had actually had something to talk about, these would be a good idea. I feel like they just started them too soon. I feel like they don't have much to talk about right now because they've moved on to PS5 stuff for the most part, and we've already seen most all of what they've got coming, and I don't think they have the the upcoming slate to support these kind of like monthly updates. Well, but one of the things that they've they've said is that these state of plays are not for PS5 news either. So no, I not mean, now. Just. I don't think they will be in the future. I think they'll they'll pull the PS5 news out of the state of play and, and make those separate. I think these state of plays are are just kind of extended trailers, um, you know, putting together a, a bunch of you know already known news for games. I I honestly don't know why they exist. This will not be where the PS5 gets announced, but once the PS5 is coming and out, and is the 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 current reigning PlayStation, these will still be, they'll still be doing these. Well, I think their intention, we'll see how they go, is to still be doing these and to be doing this instead of E3 and the like because they've they've kind of pulled out of that stuff entirely. Um, I think they're trying to use these as a way to direct to consumer announce things instead of doing it at big expensive conventions. I think they're trying to do this to stay fresh in people's mind with with lots of small announcements instead of one big announcement time a year i just don't think they're doing a good job they're horribly boring and they've got nothing interesting going right now yeah i mean they really are because i've got to sit through probably i would say eight minutes of a 13 minute video to see the five minutes of material that i want to see i don't even know that there was five minutes i wanted to see in this and structurally the here's a trailer and then here is a what is obviously an intentionally 
flat intro to the next trailer. It's just a pre-recorded, and now here's your trailer for, and it goes into the next trailer. There's there's no emotion or anything, and it's not a show in any way. It is just a, a flat narration and a series of trailers. And I would rather just look up the trailer on YouTube without any of this state of play stuff around it. Yeah, exactly. That's what that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is for the the two or three things out of this entire video that I wanted to see, which was the Final Fantasy VII remake and um, the uh, the medieval release. I can look those up online and get the exact same video without all of the extra crap that I don't want to look at. I I think these things could be way more. Uh, maybe way more relevant if they restructured them some. I mean, they just don't feel like they have any heart. They don't feel very well thought out. They feel they feel very businessy in a way. They are just kind of information, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. There's there's nothing to really get you excited about the content that they're presenting. Who is excited is a and in a negative way is about 150 employees at Riot who staged a walkout this week. Good for them. Yep. Yeah, this is, we've been talking about this a lot. This has been bubbling up a lot more in the news lately and in the gaming industry. The labor practices and toxic environments in some of these places, and I can I can hear Crowley screaming from here already, <laughs> uh, is, is getting out of hand. And actually, like he said, uh, it's... Right now, what we're seeing is the people who are working at these companies standing up and saying no more. So, you know, Riot has had a reputation for being especially bad. You've seen a lot of stories come out of Riot over the past 18 months to two years, especially about how they've been treating people. And this um, forced arbitration was kind of the last straw here. Yeah. And it's forced arbitration over um, sexual harassment claims, yes. right? And that's 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 where I'm going. That the that the environment at Riot has gotten so toxic that there has been, and there have been sexual harassment, including. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Gender discrimination, not sexual harassment. Uh, there was yeah, gender discrimination most recently, I believe. Oh, I guess they just called that harassment. There was some stuff about uh, touching and farting last year. But the the environment is has been horrendous, and people bring these very very real uh, complaints forward, and are told basically to pound sand. And when they go to bring action on it, all they can do is go through forced arbitration, and that doesn't get them anywhere. Well, yeah, forced arbitration is typically stacked in favor of the employer or the, the, the company that is forcing the arbitration. And typically the judgments on those uh, arbitrated hearings uh, rule in favor of the, the company that forces the arbitration. That's, that's what, it's a cost savings to the company first off because they don't have to go through a huge uh, legal litigation and they're legally binding, forced arbitration or arbitration is legally binding and you don't get any rights of appeal on arbitration. So whereas if you go through the court and you don't feel that the judgment was correct and you have substantial um, you have substantial evidence or claim to that effect, you can uh, appeal that that ruling in that court of law uh, to a higher court. You can't do that with arbitration. It's it's said and done. It's final. To be transparent, 
forced arbitration has kind of been an industry standard in tech in general for a while now. Um, it's not just that Riot Games. It's a no, it, and it's in, actually prolific across a, a lot of consumer goods too. Right. Um, you've probably signed a, a term of, of agreement or condition uh, with your cell provider that says if you have any problems with us that you'll go through uh, arbitration instead of going to the courts. Some of the some of the more higher profile ones that I could think of showing up recently, uh, one of them in this article uh, was with Google and they had a big walkout over forced arbitration uh, last year and has since ended its policy for forced arbitration and no longer does that. Another one that was pretty high profile was through Experian in that giant leak. If you yep. if you went through them, they tried to if you tried to get your to check to see if your information was um was lost in that leak, they part of getting that protection afterwards said that you would not be would be have to go through forced arbitration and not sue them. And uh they were they ended up backpedaling on that too because yeah. that was that was received very poorly. Yeah, um, so they lose they lose your information and then they give you through their own service the ability to monitor your credit information, but by using that service they're going to force you into arbitration and you give up your rights to sue them. Yeah, that was a right. huge PR backlash. They walked that back really quick. Yeah. Especially after when they first put the website up, they put up a incorrect link that brought to a fake yes. website that was funneling your information through a third party. Yes. Really good job. Um, so this is this is a thing. I don't know. This is this is I think at least the fourth time I've seen Riot pop up in this kind of very negative light. Uh, I don't know how many more times they can take that company can take this. But to Riot's credit. Um, they're not, they, they supported the walkout. Um, they asked their managers to give the employees that were walking out, um, any, any and all assistance that they could to support this walkout. And they are working on changing their arbitration policy. So they've, they've, they've heard the voice of their employees and they are working to enact change. So that's a that's a credit I think to Riot. It is important to to mention that they they do seem to be working with this, but this is also these allegations of toxic workplace environment have been going back for close to two years now, and it does not seem to have changed. So change the arbitration rules all you want, you still have to get that that workplace environment straightened out. And uh, I I do appreciate the effort they're making here to to be accommodating to people who were walking out. Um, and while they did say they're not going to change any policies while they are in litigation, but they do have plans to alter moving forward. I appreciate that. I think that's the right step to make. I want to see them work a little bit on what's going on behind those closed doors, or at least make some progress. They may be working on it. They may, they may have intentions uh, that we just haven't seen paid off yet, but I'm really tired of hearing about their workplace culture Every yeah, they, they need a, a huge culture change, and that's going to take time. But I think uh, hopefully they're taking the right steps towards that culture change. I I hope so. And also also taking steps. You guys talked about it last week. We're talking about it again. Respawn adding more ways to get banned uh, in their game in uh, Apex Legends because they're trying to keep that player base happy and running. And 
No, I do not remember what the numbers you guys talked about last week, but there were huge, staggering numbers of people being like 770,000. Yeah, so many people. Yeah. Um, and now it looks like they're, they're bringing in temporary bands for what they call piggybackers, people who are, are jumping in with uh, much better players and just hiding, collecting EXP, not contributing to the team. This is a much, I, I, in my opinion, a much less flagrant offense than, uh, than cheating, but still a behavior I don't like to see when I'm playing. So, so I'm kind of on the fence on this because there's been several games in the past that I've played with with friends that I came in too late or that they came in too late, and we would team up and we would power level them yep, to get sure. them up to the, the level that we were at. And a lot of times that included, okay, hide in this corner and shoot anything if you see it, but you're probably not going to see it. We're going to, you know, we're going to go kill a bunch of stuff. So... They yeah, are the ones that designed this game to allow this to happen. I mean, this is their XP schedule that is doing this. So I kind of feel bad that they're banning people that are doing this. Well, so, but this is not a game where the enemy's level changes and you can't kill them if you just start, right? You have the same power, do the same damage, you have the same weapons. Um, XP just unlocks you uh, levels in the battle pass or... Um, currency for cosmetics and stuff um you're not you're not getting any gameplay benefit you're not like you're not under leveled for the area and you can't kill anybody and hiding and power leveling this is just you sitting there soaking up xp for your battle pass instead of playing okay so it's maybe just people that are kind of afk and but right. still right okay they still want to progress through their battle pass and get their their unlocks their cosmetic unlocks but they don't want to actually play and contribute to the team. Okay, well, I can I can see banning that. I've played other games where people bought and basically their their character goes forward, moves forward, and occasionally turns and and whatever. And it's obviously they're in the match for the XP, but they're not doing yeah. anything meaningful. So temporary ban, I can I can see maybe for that. I think the fact that it's a temp ban and not something that's going to ruin the the account makes this passable but this does this does even feel a little harsh for me but you know they they they've got to do something um they 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 talked about the uh content release schedule being not where Fortnite is and people being upset about the lack of constant patches you know and that's the thing you know epic and Fortnite have have patches coming constantly you know monthly sometimes every couple of weeks just new stuff going constantly but as we've talked about epic is under fire for the constant 24 7 365 crunch that the developers are are feeling um working there because they have this content release schedule and and respawn right. has said no we're not going to do that to our people they work right. regular hours and in, in that statement they said they're not they work regular hours they, we're not going to burn out all of our employees to have patches constantly. We're going to have good patches on a regular schedule. And, you know, I, so I think it's more important to them because they, because they have less coming, less coming content regularly. They need to keep the player base happy. And if that means they have to really make sure that they're not letting cheaters or AFKers or anything like that degrade the player experience, 
they have to go all in on that because they don't have they don't have the huge force developing this um so they have to find the benefits where they can yeah and and i think that's reasonable i don't expect uh, constant you know small patches because that does tend to burn out your developers now if there's a if there's a game breaking bug um, you, right. you definitely want to get out a, a patch to to remedy that as quickly as possible. But I think more substantial, regular update uh, patches that aren't you know as often, I think, is is a reasonable compromise. Correct. I think that I mean I think they need there has to be some balance of where patches come in. Uh, you know, if you've got a game breaking bug and you've got to patch it, you got to patch it. But for the most part destroying your development staff uh, and having super high turnover just to keep patches coming constantly, I don't think is a long-term viable option. And then that's what's going on over at Epic with Fortnite. And they're, they're having problems with uh, turnover over there and also with heavy criticism in the uh, games media and former employees because of that crunch. So it doesn't seem super reasonable. And, uh, I'd like to see, I'd like to see respawn stick to their guns on that, and I'd like to see them really continue to hammer down on the cheating and stuff, and hopefully keep the player base happy that way instead of with constant patches or whatever it happens to be that puts their development staff in jeopardy. Yeah, one thing they're going to have to do though is is release some new content here pretty soon. Yeah, well, they had their first game patch, and they have a little bit of new content out. But I don't. I think they will have to go a little faster than they are right now, but not nearly the pace that um, that Fortnite's at. Right. So other things that are not reasonable. Randy Pitchford. Randy <laughs> Pitchford. Not reasonable. Is, he is not a reasonable man. He is the CEO over at Gearbox, uh, and he was the man who did the announcement for Borderlands Three. Uh, if you saw his first announcement trial that was the one that was uh plagued with technical difficulties and he just started doing magic on stage that was randy pitchford <laughs> yes oh um gosh. and in a in a more recent bout of controversy which this man is no stranger to at all well you say controversy i say idiocy but well go ahead. yeah i'm tr- trying to be a little <laughs> i'm trying to be more politically correct than he is he so at this Borderlands 3 announcement, he referred to the idea of microtransactions as nonsense and said they would not be doing that. They would have no microtransactions in Borderlands 3. Then in an interview, some information came up saying that they'd be selling some cosmetic items, but they weren't going to, quote unquote, nickel and dime the players. DLC will come down the line, but the game won't have anything excessive. So after saying there would be no microtransactions and then admitting there would be, Game Informer published a thing calling him out saying, hey, there's microtransactions, this dude's lying. And Randy Pitchford totally lost it on Twitter. Did you get a look at this this tweet chain? Yeah, I did. And this guy's a moron. So the Game Informer did an interview with him in which he said, yes, there will be some cosmetic microtransactions, there will be some like quality of life microtransactions where you get to uh, to XP a little bit quicker uh, with these microtransactions. It's nothing 
there's nothing that in, uh, really changes the game as as far as uh, you know the power of your weapons or your character or anything like that. It's just a, a time saver and some some looks. But on stage during the during the Borderlands three pitch or a reveal, he said there would be no microtransactions. We're not going to nickel and dime you to death. We're not going to be like those those other games that have microtransactions. So. Game Informer called him out on it in the interview that he did with them, and he lost it all over them. He's blaming Game Informer for the backlash for the things that he said. So, and Game Informer rightly came back to him and said, look, you said it, not us. We're just reporting what you said. So he's, uh, yeah, he's a moron is what this comes down to. So, so Game Informer tweeted out the article saying, Yes, Borderlands 3 will have microtransactions. And Randy Pitchford replied to that tweet with, Come on, guys, expletive, clickbait <laughs> headline. Literally seconds before I said that, I made it very clear we're going to do more cosmetic stuff like we did in Borderlands 2. You know I was talking about premium currency and loot boxes kind of stuff not being in our game. Then he replied to that himself saying, Why you guys would F me on this is beyond me. Thanks a lot. So first, great attitude for a CEO. Then, oh, yeah. They replied to him saying, you said no microtransactions. Paying small sums of money for cosmetics is a microtransaction. You lied. Not having any loot boxes is a big plus, but to be on- but be honest in how you're monetizing the game that already costs $60. And then he replied again with, see, Game Informer, this is what you F-witted tweet is doing. Please correct your bull expletive. This user <laughs> believes and has called me a liar because of your incomplete context click plate bull s here you are better than this and this continues to go on and on and on and this actually went on for close to 36 hours from when that article first posted uh he didn't stop he is not stable enough to be the ceo of a company that's trying to launch a big game right now well and this isn't the first time that he's you know been publicly moronic either i mean He's he's been caught with uh, with his spank bank uh, being left at at medieval times, medieval times along, yep. uh, along with some you know confidential company files. Um, he also apparently assaulted uh, one of his uh, employees uh, back in 2016, which is why we have a new voice for claptrap in this game. So David Eddings he, uh, was. Uh, the voice of the original Claptrap. And he shoved David Eddings back in 2016 after he leaned up to whisper something in his ear. Uh, and then they got into a, a huge uh, kerfuffle um, where they went back and forth against each other. David Eddings left. Um, he wanted money to voice Claptrap in the new game. They wouldn't pay it, so they they did a new, uh, a new voice for Claptrap. But... Yeah, so this isn't the first time that he's, you know, acted like an idiot. Right. He he's he's got a he's got a long history of doing this kind of thing. So and and the thing with this the poorly timed and probably related thing with this shoving David Eddings is that he made a complaint at the time and nothing happened. Then he was let go over wanting money for voicing Claptrap. And 
things kind of went separately. But now people who were there at the time of the shove are coming forward and saying, yeah, we did see that. And now Gearbox is taking any and all claims of this nature very seriously now, years later. So now, now he's in hot water twice in a week. Um, and I'm sure that the reason that this this physical altercation came back up now this this week is because he's clearly gone off his rocker on Twitter and people saw an opening, right? But this guy, man, if I was, who is it, 2K that publishes for Gearbox? Yeah. I believe. If I was 2K, I would be on the phone with Gearbox like, yo, we are trying to sell this game. You got to straighten this out right now. Like, you got to silence him or get rid of him. Something you cannot keep. This cannot keep happening. Yeah, and I'm not sure how Gearbox's corporate structure is laid out. Um, I don't know if he's also on the board um, and has voting power to save his own job or not. But uh, this is definitely, if he were, if he were a more clever man, in my view, I would say he's doing this for publicity for Borderlands Three. But I don't think he's that clever. I don't think he's that smart. I think somebody that that leaves a USB drive full of porn in uh, medieval times just isn't that bright. So I think this is just him being a, an idiot and not trying to do this as a, as a PR win. And especially questionable legality that adult material was. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there were, yeah, there was, there was a question as to, you know, what age. that entailed. And, yeah. yeah, but I don't, I don't have details on that, so I don't want to, you know, yeah, cast I mean, shade over that. I don't want to. A lot of the stuff that came out around that, some of it was was rumor, some of it was fact. It's hard to, to separate at this point. Um, but he was he was investigated or is currently being investigated. I'm not sure where, where the line draws on that, um, so I don't want to say for sure either way. But this is a guy who's been in a lot of hot water multiple times over the past year, and it just seems like maybe. The pressure from all these incidents is building. I mean, they're, they're all of his own creation, but it seems like these things are piling up on him, and he just seems to be closer and closer to snapping over the littlest thing. Like this, this article should not have elicited anywhere near this kind of response, even yeah, if it was he's wrong. definitely unhinged. Yeah, I, I think he's. I think he's feeling the pressure, and I don't think he needs to be in this position right now. I think it's bad for him, and it's bad for Gearbox. To be honest with you, right. Yeah, I agree. I hope this doesn't negatively affect Borderlands 3 because I'm still looking forward to that game. But Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it for sure. I, I do hope this does not cast too heavy a shadow over that game. Um, we'll see. There's still some time yet. If he's quiet for the next few months, maybe it'll be fine. We're going to move on to the review. Uh, I played SteamWorld Quest, The Hand of Gilgamesh. Uh, and this is a dungeon crawler RPG it's got card-based combat, and it's set in the SteamWorld universe. I don't know if you've played any of the SteamWorld games. I have not. The SteamWorld Dig games, 1 and 2, are both really, really highly rated for me uh, and actually really well critically received uh, as well. They're really fun. Um, they're a little platformy, so you might <laughs> That's maybe probably not. why I haven't played them. Uh, yeah. But they're more puzzly than platformy, so it's tough to say. It's uh, developed by... In- Image and form games, and um, it was a $25 game. You know, so you're, we're not, just to keep in mind scope and stuff on this as far as a value proposition goes, but um, story-wise, it's not super thick. 
you play you start off you playing as Armilly and she's got a couple of heroes with her. Uh, you get three person parties, five total playable characters. You can swap them out on the go. Uh, they find they come back from a little excursion to find their home attacked and the guild of heroes destroyed and empty uh, by the invading void army. And you go on this big epic quest to save them and the world. And you want to become a guild. You want to become a hero in the guild of heroes. It's a pretty solid story. I mean, for what it is, it's not the big emotionally uh, resonating story you get in a giant AAA game, but that's not what this game is. Um, yeah, so I, I did a little research on this game because when you said it was an RPG, I wanted to verify that because your your uh, your history with, with calling things RPGs is a I little I go by the sketchy. strict definition of RPG, unlike <laughs> you, who, who just kind of likes to pick and choose. No, no, no. Some of the things that you call RPG are mm, not really but RPGs, but... So I wanted to check this out, and it, it does look like a pretty cool game. I, I, I saw some gameplay on it. Um, I do like the the art style. I don't like the animation, that that kind of marionette puppetry animation yeah, just the, turned the, me off. I So I like it, but that but the animation, the art style and animation both in this are very, very stylized, and it is totally a you either like it because you like the style or you don't because you don't like the style kind well, of the, a thing. The artwork in the game, I mean, just the yeah, the, the gameplay artwork is beautiful. It, it's yeah. all hand-painted. Yep, um, yeah, it's, you can, and it's very obvious that it's hand-done. It, yeah. It's, you, there's a care and attention to it that is really impressive. I mean, it, it's it's very lovely. It's, 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 a, very, uh, it's a very unique uh, game in the way that it looks. It's just that animation that, that kind of, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but it looks like the it looks like the characters are on strings. They're yeah, like they're, they're marionettes. It's not like super smooth animation. It's kind of intentionally uh, snappy. Maybe. Yeah. I I like the way it looks because it it has the gameplay and the animation kind of feel jointed. They feel like they move hand in hand in a way. Um, it feels like there's some weight to both of them, but I totally understand the, it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's a style choice that if you're not into, you're just not into. Um, and I think the animation, the hand-drawn style of this kind of goes across all of the SteamWorld games. And I think like the, and I think like the marionette is a good descriptor for it. I think that is kind of an accurate way to describe how it looks. Uh, that seems to be heavier in this game than it has been in the other ones, but I think they all have that kind of feel to it. Yeah. But I, I like the way this game, I actually really like the way this game looks and moves. Um, I especially like, said, like the aspect of the of the cards um, because the cards have that, that kind of hand-painted look about it too, but underneath, you kind of have a punch card type uh, aesthetic. Yeah underneath yep. that so and yes. i didn't look to because it's zeros and ones on the bottom of the punch card i didn't look to see if i could interpret that to see if they actually used you know actual you know kind of binary i didn't either uh, patterns there but uh that looked really cool so i thought that that fit into the game really well um i didn't get a chance to really look at or listen to the music or the voice acting but you know how was that a couple things to touch on there so the card combat we didn't really get into uh it's 
you build a deck. Every character in your party each is allowed to carry eight cards. The cards are your moves. Um, you have moves that um, when you use, you gain a sprocket or they cost sprockets. So you're going to have like sprockets are basically mana. So you'll have like basic attacks that will fill your mana and spenders that will use it. Um, and you want to try to balance it because you can have really powerful attacks that will use four or six. I think it goes all the way to six. Uh, sprockets. Doesn't go all the way to 11? Not all the way to 11. Uh, but every attack only gives gives you, every attack card only gives you one. So if your deck is full of four, four sprocket spells, you're going to be looking at cards you can't cast all the time. Um, so you can you can carry eight cards per character. Uh, each character can only use their own cards. There's no cross character cards. So you want to try to balance it out. You know, if you're gonna have like when I was playing, I had uh, Armilly, who's kind of like my main DPS character. Was almost it was I had her half full of sprocket gainers and then a couple of low cost sprocket users that would do fast damage. And then I had the other two characters have less sprocket gainers because their healing abilities or whatever would be were higher cost, but I was kind of leaning on my one character to, to pull in sprockets. And the most the, the biggest benefit for that for me on that was if you use three cards for the same character in one move, you get a fourth move a that is tied to your weapon. So it changes out depending on which weapon you equip for free. And usually that move is a very powerful move. So I would cast three sprocket gainers and get three sprockets and a fourth free power move out of our Millie. And that would kind of keep me fed. But it's definitely a balance. There's the the card, the deck building in this definitely requires some practice. Um, it's probably more complicated than I would have liked, to be honest. I think it's my least favorite part of the game is the constant swapping in and out of cards as you unlock them. But the combat so- is great. When you build a deck, are you drawing from that randomly, or do you get to choose the order with which the cards come? No, you're drawing randomly, but it's only you. You have, I want to say, I want to say eight cards out at a time. I might be wrong on that. Okay, um, but, and so each character can put eight cards into the deck, and you have yeah, three you get, characters at a time in your party. Right. So twenty-four cards in the deck. Right, and so you cycle through them pretty quick, and you can. Per turn, recycle two cards um, that you don't want to have in your hand, and that'll swap them out. And you can—they don't—that doesn't cost any of your turn. Those are free recycles, and the cards keep coming through. They're not like they don't go to like a a grave pile. Yeah. Okay. So do they do they cycle through at the bottom, or is it shuffled every time you you draw? It, it's shuffled. It's random every time. They go back into the random. So it's pile. possible that the card that you need you'll never get because it continually gets reshuffled to the middle of the bottom of the deck. Right. If you so every time every card I've gotten, I've whenever you get it, you get more like at least two. Um, and you can put you can put one in your deck if you wanted, but I try to keep two at least two of every card that I'm going to use in the deck so that I can make sure that kind of guarantees doesn't actually, but, but basically guarantees that I will get those cards every, every fight, but it definitely requires some getting used to, but I do actually, once you get the hang of the cards, the deck building and the the way it all works out and get the card combat down, the 
combos and the skills that bounce off each other. It is actually really pretty. There's a lot of depth to it, a lot more depth than it looks like, and it's kind of a lot of fun. The voice acting is basically non-existent. It's very <laughs> it's so in in like the chapter switches there's narration like they're reading out of a book and that's done very well. That's like some very movie-esque narrated narration in the background. I really like that. In game, all of the narration is just kind of this fake robo speak that's just noises. There's no voice acting. Um so there's there's not actually much voice acting in the game. Uh it's like beeps and whatnot. Sort that of sounds robot-y. like it gets a little boring. Um it's it's charming. It's very charming. <laughs> like the, it really is. Like the whole game, the, the music too. The music is very medieval. There's a lot of lutes and flutes, and it's very catchy. And the art style plays off of that very well. The whole game is very charming. They don't hit you with a ton of story at once. You're not looking at 15 minute cutscenes. They are usually like two panels or three panels of a comic worth of story at a time. So I don't find the Robo speak that bad because it's not like I'm sitting there for 10 minutes watching it. It's 30 seconds at a shot kind of regularly. I think it fits the feel of the game pretty well. So as far as mechanics, how much of an RPG is this? How much control do you have over the, over, over what your character does? Can you, can you customize your character to be a particular build do you get to upgrade the stats on your character yourself, or does the does it just upgrade a, a, according to a specific path? So stats-wise, you kind of upgrade just by leveling. You don't need you don't get granular control over like strength and agility stuff like that. Uh, you have plenty of equipment options that build that you can use to build towards being a tank or a healer or DPS that is all in your control. You, weapons will have specials. So like I mentioned, like Armilla uses a sword and you can buy new swords and the fourth move you get in a chain if you do three moves, three of her cards in a row, changes to an entirely different move depending on what weapon you equip. So if you're going for a tank with her, you could have that fourth move be tied that tied weapon. If you get a weapon that has a shielding or some kind of fourth move that does that, uh, you use that, you equip that weapon, you get your chain, and then that fourth move will be some kind of armor wall or something. If you want her to be straight damage, like I have her, I have her fourth move is called Lionheart, I think, and it's a great big swing that also uh, can fear enemies. So, you know, you you have your swap out there. Uh, so your decks are basically your move sets. That's like the abilities that you would you would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can change those in and out and build your character that way. You can definitely choose whether you want your character to be a tank or a damager or a healer. There's also weaknesses and resistances. Some enemies are weak to fire or to water or physical damage. You know, are there's armor penetration to worry about stuff like that. So there's a lot. There's a lot of systems at play. So, but you're basically customizing your character through weapons and equipment? For the most part, yeah. Weapons, equipment, and cards. So if, if your character has stats that lean more towards a, a particular build, 
you really can't you're you really don't have an advantage to make another character like your dps so if their if their strength is is higher on their character and it automatically levels up and and the focus is on strength on that character it doesn't make sense to make another character a, a dps i think the bulk of the stats are attached to the items oh okay uh, so the the characters don't have stats themselves no not that they surface the when you level up it kind of just gives you more health and then from there, it's what you're using. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So, I mean, they definitely characters their abilities they come with definitely kind of point you in a direction. Like, uh, Armily definitely comes leaning towards damage, and you get a uh, character that comes leaning towards healing, and you get a character the first three, the third character you get is definitely leaning towards tanking. Um, but if you wanted to. I've seen weapons at, at shops and stuff that would totally shift their their direction. So okay. the options on the table if you wanted it to be. So you're not locked in on on those rules. Okay. How far in the game did you get? I've got about about ten hours logged in it. I don't know how far that is in the total arc of the game. Well, I at least think you get to keep your gaming card for the week. <laughs> it's true. I think I think I'm about I'm in act 3 and I think there's only four acts. So I think I'm most way through act 3 so I'm most the way done with the game, I would say. So uh, it's it's not a long periods. game. It's not a huge time investment for an no. RPG. No, I think it's I think for $25 it's got plenty of length, but you're not looking at like an 80 hour 100 hour Witcher kind of thing. I think this is probably I'm guessing this game clocks in around 15 hours. Yeah. Well, what would you rank it? Uh, I so I wouldn't take a little bit away for the voice acting and the music is is nice. It's quite catchy and it's very passive in the background, but it's not anything I found myself humming around in the background right, after playing. The deck building is a little tedious, but the game's got some it's like a lot of charm. It's visually really stunning. There are a lot of screens in this game that I kind of just wanted to stand and look at for a little bit because the detail is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like really impressive. Uh, I, I think all things combined, I'd probably come in around a seven, seven and a half right in oh, that range for nice. this one, which is, I think is very solid for what you're paying for this. If, if RPGs are your thing, if card combat doesn't sound uh, too tedious for you, I think this is a definite recommend for me. And it is actually an RPG, so I will confirm that. So, and for twenty five dollars, it it sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah, it definitely it has a lot of value. There's a lot of value for what you're paying for it. All right, so I think that just about does it. Uh, Jason, where else can we find you besides here? Uh, you can find me at eargluemedia.com forward slash status. That's smoking and drinking in space. Uh, we're Almost done with Fireflies, so check out those episodes, and then we'll get back to our random title draw after that. So, Awesome. I've been really enjoying the Firefly series so far. So, uh, It's been fun I, to do. I, I hadn't watched it in a long time, and it's, it's been really fun to, to go back and, and see, uh, to, to revisit it. And in fact, some of the episodes I've never seen because they were never broadcast. So it's, it's been real fun. Awesome. So you can find Jason there. You can find him at eargluemedia.com slash discord, where you can also find me and Crowley and the whole rest of the crew. You can find us 
on Instagram and Twitter at Bad Gamers Anonymous, and you can email us at badgamerspodcast at gmail.com. Maybe if you have something insightful to say, we can talk about it on the show. Uh, you can find me also at eargluemedia.com slash TFA for the film appraisers. And uh, all of us at Eargloo Media thoroughly appreciate you listening. Yes, Jason, thank you very much. It was fun. It's been fun. Can't wait to do it next week. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to have I'm, you back. <laughs> well, I don't know how true, true that is. It's very uh, true. <laughs> I heard you, that Joe. Note, I'm Joe. I'm Jason. We'll see you next week. Bad Gamers Anonymous is not affiliated with any video game developer or publisher. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the host and not of Earglue Media. And are probably terrible. Executive producer for Bad Gamers Anonymous is James Dean. Get good, scrubs.